Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, glad you are part of our program, both myself and my co-host, both financial advisors, helping people throughout the week, broadcasting our podcast and radio program on the weekends with the end goal of being your financial advisors in the air. And, or in person. If they want. Fair enough. <laughs> if they <laughs> want. In full transparency, <laughs> we have an investment advisory firm with a few hundred employees and yes. thousands of clients and um, so independent fiduciary advisor firm and yes we do care about but you can but nonetheless we uh we but hopefully if you listen to this program you'll find that we don't we're not sitting there like trying to promote our firm the whole time we're just trying to yes people make good decisions in fact we're gonna play a segment from a call a couple years ago where um someone called us and was receiving some advice that we considered harmful to them into the community at large and, I'll tell you where it all went. And we will share with you how it ended up for this particular advisor. And I, quite frankly, I was glad that the outcome was the way it was. Um, so no more damage can be done. Yeah. And That's we have an what, interest in it business we're in. As Pat McLean likes to say, if we were the food industry, we'd all be dead. It is a terribly... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of... There's some really great advisors out there. there. And there's really great products, including, by the way, some annuities. Some annuities. Sometimes. Sometimes. The world might be better if they were never created because they're so misused and missold. That is correct. And the difference is they're sold. Yep. Anyway, we will hear from that later. Uh, and we'd love to take your calls. We'll take some calls today. If you'd like to join our program, you can be part of it. 833-99-WORTH is the number. Again, that's 833-99-WORTH. And before we get to the calls, if you are, if you are within eh, two years of retirement and you have a pension from your employer that can be converted to a lump sum and you're thinking about taking a lump sum, you might want to consider retiring now. This year. This year. Maybe this month. Maybe this month, depending, depending on, on how your employer, your employer uh, structures their pension. So, uh, and if this doesn't apply to you, our apologies, but it's a really, look, you could see a 30% decline in the value of your retirement dollars between now and next January. Lump sum. Correct. Not the monthly pension, but the lump sum. And the reason is interest rates have risen dramatically this year. So- Pat and I, when, we've, when we started in this industry 30 years ago, we did a lot of work with uh, Pacific Bell retirees at the time. Which then became AT&T. It was AT&T. They then spun it, it off. Southwestern and then, Bell, and then it went to whatever AT&T and back again and then again. And again. And AT&T is actually SBC that took the AT&T mm-hmm. brand after they bought AT&T. But that's another story. <laughs> in any case, they... 
they had these windows of time for people to retire. They came out with a lump sum of the pension for the first time, but it was dependent upon where the interest rates were. And depending whether you are a, a salaried employee or one represented by the union hourly employee, you had diff, there were different rules that they had to follow based upon one was on an annual basis. The other was on a quarterly basis. And as interest rates changed, the value of one's lump sum pension would change. Maybe 15, 20 grand up one quarter, 15, 20 grand down the following quarter. And we became experts at really figuring out the net present value in the current situation and helping people figure it out. Should you retire on July 31st or, uh, I'm sorry, June 30, June 30th or July 1st? Those sort of things, right? Because it can make a difference, $20,000, $30,000 sometimes. Well, we're, we're seeing this played out in the most dramatic fashion right now because interest rates were almost at zero. And they've risen dramatically this year. And a lot of companies will use an annual rate. Which is the first date of your retirement. Many cases, they will use the first date of your retirement. So if you're going to retire this year, then you want to be off payroll by the 30th of December. And there was an article in one of the, maybe it was the Wall Street Journal, recently, they highlighted a woman, 60-year-old, I'm sorry, Mr. Actually, I don't know what they choose to identify as. Uh, Six-year-old gentleman who worked at Ford, and his lump sum pension, currently valued at a million dollars, would drop to 700000 if he waited till after December 1st. So in Ford, apparently, according to this article, December 1st was the cutoff date for the new using the new interest rate. And so what happens is there's an internal calculation that takes place with these pensions. And the internal calculation is based on some interest rate. So some use the PBGC rate, some might use the treasury, some might use a different interest rate. IRS first tier segment. The lower the interest rate, the higher the lump sum. Think about it. What they're trying to do is figure out actuarially based upon someone's life expectancy and an assumed rate of return, how much money they need to put aside in that person's name. As an example, let's say there's a 60-year-old individual. Let's just assume a life expectancy is 30 years. Let's assume the, pay- the payment's $10,000 a year and interest rates are zero. We assume we are nothing on it. Well, it's pretty simple. It's $10,000 a year times 30. It's $300,000 the value of the lump sum. Now, if we can start assuming we can earn something on some net present, uh, some money today, that 300000 starts to drop. So if they say 5%, the lump sum. Maybe you only need 180000 to generate 10000 a year for the next 30 years. So the lower the interest rate, the higher the lump sum. And because there's direction as to where interest rates are and where they were, based upon whether they're using the quarterly rate, semi-annual or annual rate, if you have a pension lump sum, but frankly, and you think that you were going to work two more years or three more years, you may be better off leaving now and taking the lump sum. And by the way, taking advantage of what we believe to be a, a good buying opportunity. A good as buying well, op- we believe that. Well, it's clearly better today to invest than it was six months ago. That's correct. Eight months ago. Yeah. Even the yields on the on the lump sum that you're taking out, even if you were to buy bonds with it, you might be able to actually... I would bet in today's environment, 
for most people, unless you're really old, um, you could take a lump sum, buy treasuries and get a um, similar, similar payout answer. and have your uh, lump sum to, to boot. I remember that happened during the 90s. Yep. Remember I had a client. Didn't want any risk. Fine. We used 20-year treasuries. Still had his, his lump sum. Yep. And that way, what happens if you pass away, then there is something to go on to your heirs. Interesting. So, so look, if you are getting near in retirement and you're thinking about taking a long, lump sum, look into this stuff now. Because by the end of, odds are by the end of next year, by the end of this year, and some companies by the end of this n- next month. It, uh, that, that option will no longer exist. So, all right, let's uh, take some calls here. Starting off with Mike in Georgia. Mike, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Hi, Mike. What can we do so, for you? So my situation, I'm, I'm 61, and I, I see in retrospect I've been pretty conservative with my, with my allocations. And um, part of it is in an annuity. I, I know now that... Those aren't always the best option. That's what I chose. And then part of it's in equities and real estate and whatnot. And so right now I'm at uh, 620 in in my savings. And um, I'm a little concerned about how um, how the how the future looks with who knows what taxes and inflation and Social Security and all that are going to do. So, so I'm planning to put some more into a another account of 403B and um, uh, wondering in a situation like that where I, I like my job, I'll, I'll probably go till 70. Um, so I've got a little, little time on my horizon. What uh, do I, do I continue my, uh, my conservative stance with, with how these are invested or do I, do I get all wild and, and go all equities or, or what would you say? <laughs> there might be somewhere in the middle there, Mike. So let, let's, let's dig into this 403B. Is it, is this for the, the annuity? Is it offered? Is it a 403B or a 403B7 that's offered through your employer? Is that where the annuity is that you have now? Yeah, it's through the employer. And is it a fixed or is it a variable where you have investment choices internally? I I don't believe I do, but I haven't asked that question. And do they give you multiple uh, in uh, annuities or investment choices? So here's the uh, so here's it's the strangest thing the way school districts yeah. work. Yeah, it's either a school district or a, 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 a nonprofit of some sort. It would be our yeah. guess, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so the, the, oftentimes they have many many slots uh, available in there. Is it a nonprofit menu. or a school district? It's it's a college. Okay. 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 So they have many, many slots that are available um, in those. And some might be like Vanguard or Fidelity or Charles Schwab or an annuity company. Annuities have two different types of annuities. They have 403Bs, which are typically fixed annuities, and 403B7s, which are you can get a little bit more variable in there, which means you can get more equity. You may not have a surrender charge on your fixed annuity. And that's the on your annuity. So the first thing I would check is, do I have a surrender charge on my annuity? And what is the cost associated with that annuity? And by the way, because you're 61 years of age, there's a good chance that you can move all that money away 
from yep, your employer an into an IRA and build any portfolio you want without any of the restrictions associated with what your employer puts because on Because you're over plan. 59 and a half. Because you're 59 and a half or older. So we'll just start with that premise that you've got free reign to invest the existing dollars any way you want, and then we'll take a direction on the new dollars. Now, mm-hmm. if your plan is to work, at least the plan is to work till age 70, right? Nine more years. At age 70, when you retire, my guess is you're not going to spend your entire life savings the first year of your retirement, right? Right. You'll, you'll structure it in some way that it can provide an income designed to last you to your dying day and maybe having some leftover um, for estate planning purposes thereafter. That Right? So your time horizon is not nine years. It's probably 25? Right? 61. Are you married? Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. it's even longer. Yeah. Because joint life expectancies are longer, assuming everyone is in good health today. So tell us about the rest of your financial situation. Your house paid for, will you be eligible for Social Security? What else is going on? And will you be receiving a a defined benefit pension from your employer when you retire? The the house is almost paid for um, early 2024. It'll be paid for. Um, I've got yeah i'll I'll get uh, social security and if when i when I look at my monthly expenses um, I should be able to to meet those just fine um, using using the projections that my um, my i don't want to say their name but my uh my savings person has has organized yep. i said my expenses are about nine thousand a month, and between between my current savings, the Social Security, and my wife's retirement, will be right at that number, ninety seven hundred, give or take. Um, so, so we meet those. I just okay. And what percentage ballpark would you guess of the six hundred twenty thousand? What percentage are in in equity stocks? Um, it's forty four. Forty four percent. Yeah. Oh, you're not that. You're okay. You're all right. Okay. You're not that conservative. You're not that conservative. You're you're okay. okay. So, but when, how did you react um, in the last market downturn at the beginning of the uh, lockdowns? I was I was a little worried, but I I thought, well, things will get better. <laughs> okay. Do you still I, feel I the same I way? Find a rock. Well, yeah, give or take what Rush is doing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <Or> China. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> or, or, yeah. or. Um, just I, different problems. I, I think you could easily move this portfolio up to 60%. Yeah, I would agree. Easily. Yeah. Uh, and, and you probably won't Now's even notice. It. Now would be a great time. But It I might would, be a better time two months from now, but nobody knows. But I would go back to your, you know, even if they're, look, even if they're annuity salespeople at the school that you're actually purchasing this through, my guess is they have access to lower cost fee-based asset management programs that may make more sense for you. Uh, and an insurance contract. Rather than an insurance contract. Mm-hmm. And you okay. might have to use the insurance contract for new deposits, but there's nothing that's stopping you. And from, I would put the new deposits 100% in stocks. 100%. Because you're not going to pay it. It's a small balance. You're not going to pay that much if, attention. So I, we often use the COC if you're my dad or my brother. Um, now we're saying if you were my son, 
um, before long, my, my grandson. <laughs> you were my great great grandson. I've been doing this radio show for eighty years. Um, I would, uh, if you were, if you were my brother, I'd say, okay, look, what we're going to do is we're going to take this, the 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 this bulk of the six hundred. We're going to put it into an IRA. And then we're going to manage it and we're going to run it through a screen on a weekly basis to make sure that we're within tolerance, which is a 60-40 or 65-35 or whatever the number is. And because there's no transaction cost or tax friction in that portfolio, you can rebalance it and make sure that it's appropriate. And it's, you know... I can't, it's hard to believe that I can actually even have this conversation. Whereas 20 years ago, we'd be saying, we just, you're going to just buy it and buy these things. And you're not going to move around a lot because of the cost associated with actually buying and selling. But those have all gone. The cost of investing has come down considerably. There's no reason in the world that you should continue to use uh, the products you're using. My guess is you could probably cut 50 basis points or a half a percent off the cost associated with your portfolio. That all goes back to you. And by the way, my belief is it would be better managed than that. And whether you want to find a new advisor or ask your existing advisor to do exactly that, the, the line between financial planners, insurance salespeople, annuity salespeople, people that are providing 403Bs in the schools. <laughs> they all call themselves the same. Well, I'm wealth manager, it's all, financial advisor. It, it, we, we, all, we all, if we choose to, have access to very, very similar uh, platforms. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. All righty. Thank well, you. Yeah, yeah, good luck, Appreciate Mike. the call. And, uh, Mike, and hopefully, but people have different, different business practices, different philosophies. We believe in fee-based advice. No, com- get 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 rid of the commission product sales. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we try to align ourselves and and holistic financial planning, not just about that. I right? had I had breakfast with a friend of mine this week, and he says, "How are things going?" And he said, "Oh, how's work going?" I said, "That's oh, it's rough right now." He's oh, a lot of clients calling. I said, "No, that's actually not." I said, "The reality is, we have a large organization. Our revenues are tied to the assets we manage. When things go down." Uh, and he says, he's like, we're talking about it. He said, oh, that must be really difficult. I said, it's what I love about the business. He says, what do you mean? He says, the way we're designed, we do well when our clients do well. And when our clients suffer, we suffer along with them. We are fully aligned. Yeah, it is fully aligned. It is fully aligned. And I think that really that's a preferable way to have a relationship with an advisor. You don't have to ever worry about, are they making this recommendation because it's in my best interest or in their best interest? Let's uh, continue on here. We're in Ohio with Melanie. Hi, Melanie. You're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. Hi, Melanie. Appreciate your time. Um, I recently inherited a small sum of money, a little over a hundred grand. Um, I'm 60 years old. Was this from a parent or an aunt and uncle? Or I lost both my parents, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm on track to have my mortgage paid off. By the time I retire in seven years, uh, my interest rate's only like 2.37%, so uh-huh. extremely low. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, I, I don't know how to put the inheritance money to work for me the, the best way. At, at this point, I think, um, you know, continuing to keep my mortgage and uh, pay that off offers some tax advantages, as far as you know, write-offs, but I, I, I'm just not sure what direction I should go. You're, are you employed? Yes. And are you married? No. And how much do you make? 
Uh, a little over 90000 a year. And are you putting the maximum into your 401k? And not the maximum. I, I plan to now. <laughs> what do you... I have a 403B through my employer. Okay. And I think my contribution at this point is um, 15%. And how much, how much do you have in retirement savings? Um, I think my balance is down to about 70000 And you'll be eligible for Social Security when you retire? Do you owe anyone else in the world money? No. And do you have any money other than this 403B money? Yeah, I have a, you know, a cushion in savings and um, I've got, well, I, I did a, a cash out uh, refinance a year ago. And so I have that money. Well, I have... I have the cash out refinance money set aside in a money market to pay for some of the repairs and um, upgrades to my home that I'd like to do. And uh, the inheritance money is also sitting in the money market for now. How much is the cash out refi? 55000 And you haven't put that, the plan is to use that to do upgrades on the house? Yeah. And what's the interest rate on that? It's all one loan, right? You just did a refinance, pulled some cash out? Oh no, the the actual refinance amount was um I think it's I think my balance is 106. Okay, so you have this set, you have you have 7 years to pay off the first mortgage and then you have 55,000 on top of it. Is that what I heard? No, no, I have a single mortgage. It's okay, a thank you. Mortgage, thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm doubling up yeah, on payments so I have you. that paid off. I like I like the con- concept. I don't think you're getting a tax write off for two reasons. The one is you don't you can't take cash out of a house to use for a remodel and still get the tax deduction that changed a few years ago. And there's and a, there's okay. limits on that though. What's the limit? The home equity line it used to be a hundred grand, but they got rid of it. That's right. Um, this is the, this is not a home equity line of credit. It's a I refinance, but you can't you can't pull. It's a refinance. Understand? Yeah. Understand? It's all. But regardless, your my guess is your standard deduction is greater than your itemized deduction because standard deduction like twenty two. I mean, like twelve grand. Um, it hasn't been greater. The last several years, I itemized. Okay. Well, th- there's a good chance that that part of that mortgage is not tax deductible. You're, you're, you can be you can itemize, but you could be barely over the standard deduction as well. Right. Right. I understand that, and okay. I'm not sure where I'm going to be this year as a result. Okay. I, I like the con. Regardless, I like the concept of you keeping the mortgage and paying it off till the time you retire. One, you've got a low interest rate. Two, you've got a plan in place. You're doing it out of your current cash flow. Um, frankly, a concern would be that if you took, if you paid that off, uh, you'd have more cash flow coming in the checkbook and your standard of living could actually start creeping up in the last decade before you retire, which makes, could make retirement even more challenging. So I'm trying really hard not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. Uh, that's, that's wise. I, I mean, I like the concept of over the next couple of years, Putting the maximum you can into your 403B, which next year is like 28, yeah, just 28 grand. Um, so put as much as you, you can there, even if it means drawing down on your the savings a bit. And then the rest, really invest in it for, for retirement down the road. Yeah, so I agree with Scott 100%, which is what I would do is maximize the 403B to the maximum. And you're like, well, I won't have enough to live on. 
figure out the after-tax difference, put that $100,000 into a high-yield savings account or money market or even treasuries, and just have that supplement your income on a monthly basis. Okay, the the hundred thousand is in a money market currently. Okay, so um, if I'm you sorry, go ahead. if you if so if you move your maximum up to your four hundred three b, you're going to turn around and say I don't have enough money to live on. Would be my guess, and what we're saying is use that money from the money market to supplement, and that way you're moving money into the market slowly on a tax advantage basis. Okay. Okay, so you don't think it makes sense for me to uh, put any into a Roth IRA at this point? I would not, because you're at a high, you're at a pretty high tax deduction. Okay. Yeah. And odds are you're going to be in a lower tax rate at retirement because you're making ninety thousand a year right now. Right. So do it pre-tax. Okay, that was. That was my thinking, but uh, someone else had advised me to go the Roth IRA route, and I thought, well, I don't know if that makes sense. But what was the what, what was um, the know, reasoning? I don't know everything. So well, it's tax free in the future if you don't. But I, I, I would use the traditional if I were in your situation. Okay. And by the way, the home home equity loans, as long as it's used for improvements on the home, it's deductible. You just can't do it to buy a new car or whatever, like you used to be able to. That was the change. So. Yeah, this isn't home equity. I understand, I understand. but they're, they're, but in a sense, yeah. Um, it all gets to the same place. Yeah. So but you're, that- you're, you're fine. So I would just do that. Just lower, put the maximum 403B and then supplement your, make up the difference for the after tax, not the pre-tax, the after tax difference in your paycheck out of that money. Yeah. Only that amount. Save the rest. Save the don't, rest. Don't take it out. So anyway, appreciate the call, Melanie. Hope that was helpful. We are taking a quick break. We'll come back, take some more calls. This is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Okay, let's give a little... Uh... Do a little background on this. Yes. So Scott Hansen and myself have, um, have worked together uh, for almost 30 years and Prior to Actually, us, I'd argue longer than that because we were a different firm and we worked together. That, okay, fair enough. So um, prior to us being Allworth, we were Hanson McLean, and, and we have uh, a fairly decent size presence in the Sacramento area, which is where we started the business. And we've done a radio program since 1995. So we have visited with lots and lots of clients over the years um, in Northern California. Uh, we have offices in many states now, but at the time... Um, when we started, it was just in Sacramento. And every once in a while, we'll come, there's someone in the region who defrauds investors. Yeah. And we, and we see the outcome of that because, um, we've fra- seen firms come and go where they, so, uh, remember one, there's a, there was a, a gentleman who he, <laughs> if you just looked up the background on him, he owed the IRS $400,000. And then he was touting that he did these uncommon investments that weren't correlated to the stock market. Yes. He's finally, he's gone. He's gone. Uh, There was my neighbor that lived down the street from me when my kids were little. He's in uh, federal prison now. 
maybe state prison, whatever. He He's like 20 years sentenced to prison for bilking seniors. And if you went and looked to see his regulatory background, you would have seen that he had um, had some complaints and then dropped his licenses altogether. So he wasn't even licensed with anybody when he was. And, and how do you check the, the background? There's a, <laughs> it's called broker check. If you just Google broker check, you could put in the name of an individual, put a name of the firm in. It gives you a background of that individual, how many years they've been in the industry, gives you a background on the firm, and what issues might there be? Have there been a lot of customer complaints? Have there been lawsuits? How have those turned out? Yeah. And has there been it, has the regulatory any of the regulatory bodies come on down on these people? Yeah, and it's not unusual uh, to see someone that's been in the business for twenty or thirty years to have one complaint or two complaints. Not unusual at all. Yeah, yeah. That's just life. And I don't know if the medical profession has the same sort of thing, but there's just like there's quack doctors out there is bad advisors too. But it's pretty simple. This the, what's called FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority along with the SEC, maintains these, these broker checks. And so just Google broker check, and it'll pull you right up there, and you can enter someone's information. So, And so we're going to play a call for you that took place, I don't know when this took place, um, years ago, years ago. And um, in this call, fair warning, I, I, I get a little mad uh, because we had had people coming in our office with investments that, were non-liquid, weren't pricey. Well, what we saw often, get out of. often with um, this person, this well, Springer Financial Advisors and Keith Springer, people would would go to see him because he would tout himself as a fiduciary, and then he would sell them an insurance product, a fixed annuity with sometimes fifteen-year surrender charges. I'll never forget the uh, a retired physician came in to see us. He had eleven annuities. His entire life savings, about three million bucks, and eleven different annuities with two different companies, all sold by the same individual. And and many of them were indexed annuities. And again, long term, again, long, long, high commission. There again, there is, at times, very rarely, but at times, there are places that annuities make sense um, in someone's portfolio. Anyway, so we're going to play this tape, and then we're going to um, come back and actually tell you what happened to this gentleman. I'm not sure it's a tape. Although we've been doing it long enough, I do remember when they would splice the tape together. It might be. Then they had these eight-track-looking things for years. It might be tape, but um, we're going to play this to you, and then we're going to tell you what the Securities Exchange Commission, um, how they rolled on this uh, particular gentleman's. Yes, so this is a call from one of our earlier radio programs. I have some money that is invested um, with some advisors and that because I wasn't comfortable with what they were doing, I had the money, the stocks or whatever it was sold and put into cash. And I was told there would be no fees on the cash um, in my account. Well, I got a statement recently that showed that there was a fee charged for, how I guess, for management or something. How big is the account? It's $300,000 in what, this. And what was particular. the fee? It was $1,400. Oh. Holy smokes. Okay. So they are continuing to charge you a management fee on these dollars, even though they are sitting in cash. For 1400 for what period of time? For, it was it three months? It was for three months. Wow. Not only, listen, not only, not only uh, should they not be charging you a fee, 
even if they were fully invested, that fee is high. Is high. So I, you know, if you call them and said, "Look, you shouldn't be charging this fee. I've been in cash. They they should reverse." And that. you should get that money out of there. I did actually call them um, because I I had called the money is money that I received from a life insurance policy. So it's a real emotional tie to the money. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I have to do with the money as of yet. So I just wanted oh, the money gosh. someplace where the principal would be secure, well, and that's what I explained to them going in. And they had some changes in their. Um, employees, and so I cash turned it to cash is what I had done. I talked to the gentleman that owns the company, I guess, and he told me that he can't reverse the... He's lying. Come on. Get the, yeah. That's wrong. That's wrong. He said he has to charge me a fee. He no, doesn't, doesn't have to. Oh, okay. He just flat out, that's- Sarah, he doesn't have to. He can do... He can charge you're you welcome, a fee. You're welcome to mention the name, by the way. Yeah, say the name. It's Keith Springer. Oh, gosh, darn it. He. Ah, listen. Golly. Everything. This guy. This guy. Was um, the the money he took part. They took part of the money and put it into an annuity. He's gone. And they told me after 10 years that it would double its money. And and I would be able to cash it out. Sarah, come and see us. Come and see us. We're not going to charge you anything. We're not going to charge you a dime. Sarah did come and see us, and um, by the way, we did not know who she was talking about <laughs> when she brought up the name. You were ticked because this wasn't the first time you saw this. We had seen it a, at least a half dozen times where people had come into our office after the damage was done um, and asking us to how to repair this. And quite frankly, um, after this, we we aired this at the time. God, this has got to be eight eight or nine years ago, but we aired it at the time, and I received a. Uh, we received a letter from uh, Springer Financial's attorney saying that they didn't appreciate us. Cease and desist. Well, they they threatened to cease and desist. They never went to court with it. So um, because I am Irish, I called him and um, <laughs> wanted to see exactly, you know, how he was going to justify this sort of behavior for this lady. Who, who by the way, her, her son had, had died in a a motorcycle accident, and these were the proceeds of a life insurance policy. Uh, young was it an accident, or was it military service? Uh, he had been in the military, but he didn't die in the military. Yeah. He died when he was at home. Um, and so, uh, Keith Springer, I called him and we talked, and I said, "You know, you're what you're doing is just it's flat out wrong." And he said, "Well, explain it to me." And I said. Would you invest your mother's money like this? And he did not answer me. Um, He didn't answer me. And so this was a person. And here's what the sad thing about it was, is anyone that had invested money with them, if they had done a little bit of research and gone to broker check. They would have seen he had a bad uh, background. Yeah. At one point in time, he he lost his uh, privileges. I believe it was th- with the New York Stock Exchange for, for two and a, a half years. Two and a half years, which is not an easy thing to do. So this goes on and on, and he is in around the Sacramento area, and then finally, and the, ch- the hard thing is, so he was securities licensed. There's there's different regulatory bodies in our industry. <clears throat> so if you're licensed to sell securities, you regular you're, you're registered through what's called FINRA. But if you're not licensed to sell securities, you just want to act on it. Just want to be an, an advisor. This is how crazy this 
when they start speaking, it sounds great. Then you're registered by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So what he did, he says, I know, I'm going to drop my securities license so I don't have to worry about those regulatory, like the NYSC, which merged with FINRA. I don't have to worry about them on my back anymore. And the Securities and Exchange Commission, they're so busy, they're not even going to pay attention because I'm not going to sell securities. I'm going to advise on some money I manage, and then I'm going to sell insurance, fixed insurance products that are not securities, that I only need a California insurance license. And that's what he did. So in- so he wasn't, no one was really overseen. He was, if the Securities Exchange Commission, he was essentially Mark saying he's, he's an advisor and he only has to report on his advisory business and the, the, the California Department of Insurance, I've never seen him come down on anybody. So <clears throat> I don't know what they do as far as regulatory well, they, enforcement. Well, I have seen them come down on people. Um, right. So they, you know. Unfortunately, it usually takes years. It, it's not an easy process. So in December of, 2019, the Securities Exchange Commission acted, and um, which was a pretty big deal because not that often do they make a public enforcement like this on somebody. Yeah. So on December 19th of 2019, uh, they basically shut him down and said, look, you're under investigation. We believe you have done some very bad things by holding yourself out as a fiduciary and then selling commissioned products, which is engaging in deceptive practicing while soliciting new clients, including falsely claiming they did not receive any incentives to recommend particular investments when in fact they had received compensation for recommending certain products. They breached their fiduciary duty by failing to disclose these arraignments and the conflicts of interest. So he is now, as of October 14th, 2022, no longer in the industry. He's been barred from the industry and he agreed of settlements of $400,000 in penalties. Now, this is, this is not... This I don't is, know what litigation he's this, got against him. Uh, but but th- there will be a slew of litigation oh. from clients to follow. But the saddest part about it is we would see people after the fact. And... Just go to broker check and do some background check on before you hand someone your life savings before you or an inheritance. Yes, or even financial advice. And by the way, I've been doing this a long time. Fortunately, what's called my U four is clean. Um, I believe mine is. Mine is, (laughs) but I have I have a number. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, odds are I should have a couple. Yeah, which Not is someone just gets happy. mad at you for some reason, and it's easy to file a complaint. Doesn't mean that it was settled or anything was ever come to, but you were supposed to we disclose all complaints um, that are justified. So the point behind this is whether they're justified or not, you disclose the. Complaint. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they, no, but it's there. not. You don't have to disclose like my check was late. Like right. uh, my distribution arrived three days late. Would that be a I never complaint? got my dividend? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's not. All right, <laughs> that's not. But uh, so the couple of takeaways of this from Pat's point, like when you're hiring an advisor, like, use someone who's a fiduciary. They're a registered. They work with a registered investment advisory firm. They have a legal obligation to put. Their, your interest above their own. Legal obligation. If not, the Securities Exchange Commission will come down. But he was a fiduciary, but he was then selling commission products under the guise of being a fiduciary. That's right. Right? Anytime a product has a surrender charge, like an annuity, 
or life insurance policy. Or non-traded real estate investment trusts. Question it. And ask, are you receiving any commission on this? But before you do that, just check their background. Go to their Yeah, because this one, you would have seen he was a... (laughs) Yeah, you would have never... In fact, someone was in uh, an office with one of our advisors and said they were going to go visit Keith Springer. And I said to the advisor, what did you do? He said, no, I just went over to the computer. I pulled up their record and showed it <laughs> to him. Have fun. <laughs> this was before all this, right? This was before this. Um, because he had four major marks on his, what they call U4. So just be careful. It's, you, you hate, but this was a good outcome uh, that finally, it was a good outcome that he is no longer in the industry and barred from the industry for good. Yeah. Yes, it just, just, uh, and a second takeaway on this, Pat, by the way. When there's when there's some sort of tragedy or major change in your life and you've got some uh, some new money, take time before you do anything with it. There's no hurry. So oftentimes when someone's widowed, we will try to do as little as possible for the first six months to a year. Literally, as little as possible. Because your world is so turned upside down and so foggy, it's hard for you to clear see clearly. And, and your, the, your own future is now in question because you'd built this life upon something, whether it's a spouse or a child, they're suddenly gone and you're trying to envision your own future, which is not clear at this time. Yes. You might not even see any future for yourself. So it's best just to sit and take some time. Look, if money's sitting in, in cash somewhere, I don't mean cash, cash, but like the savings account or money market account, if it's sitting there in the mar- stock market rallies and you miss out, so what? So what? Like, just gives your, give yourself a chance to, to grieve, to get some clarity, to start having a, see a path for your own future forward. Then you could start making some financial decisions. Yes. And definitely do not buy an annuity within days, weeks, months of a loved one passing away, like like this situation. I mean, well, and we knew what the ultimate outcome would be for this guy. We did. We did. Well, we don't, the, but there's others around there, similar. Oh, yeah. Do your background, book, broker check, Google broker check. All right, well, that now I'm a little depressed. it had a good outcome and 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 we and i met with that lady uh with another advisor the first time she came in i met with her and it was you know i apologized that we did for our industry for for yes that she had to go through that all right well let's go uh take back the calls here we're in california talking with carla carla you're with allworth's money matters hi scott and pat hi carla I always enjoy listening to you. Thank, well, thank you. you. We do as well. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> sorry. What can we do for you, Carla? Well, I'd just like uh, some information um, on how my income affects my Medicare Part B premium. All right. And uh, just my background, I'm 79, a widow and retired. I have no debt and my home is paid off. My income is $8,100 per month uh, from two pensions and Social Security, and they all have COLAs. Okay. 
and that's more than enough to maintain my standard of living. I always have some left over. Okay. I have my investments with Vanguard. I have a traditional IRA that's currently 400000 all in bond funds. And my trust brokerage account is um, about a million sixty-six thousand in stock ETFs. Also have a Vanguard annuity at four forty-five thousand. So on the trust and, brokerage uh, on the trust brokerage account, before we get onto yeah. these annuities, okay. On the trust brokerage account, how is that allocated? So um, stock versus bond. So you said mutual I've funds got and ETFs. An FTSE All World. Okay. XUS. I've got total stock market and extended market. Okay. Okay. Good enough. And and, and then, then tell me um, about the, a money market. How much is in addition. the money market? Uh, hundred and sixty-one thousand. I've been um, not reinvesting my dividends and capital gains. I've been letting them roll into the money market. Okay. And then tell me about the annuity. The annuity was a Vanguard annuity, and uh, it got transitioned to Stan, um, Transamerica last year. It was my husband's annuity, which I assumed on his death. I'm not planning on taking periodic withdrawals from anything. And what is the what, what's the Transamerica value? Four hundred and forty-five thousand. And is that all fixed? Uh, it's variable. So you have in uh, you have stocks and bonds, both stocks and bonds in right, there, right? Right. And mm-hmm. is that inside a qualified? Is that a qualified annuity or non-qualified annuity? Is it inside of an IRA, a four hundred three b, or no. is it outside? No, it's outside. Okay, so it's called a non-qualified annuity. Okay. And what's your any other thing that we need to know about to help make this decision? Well, just. I think that's all that you need to know about. Okay. Um, so you have a question. Have control my yeah. So and uh, my uh, Medicare Part B premium. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens is um, this is essentially a way that the government has given you benefits that you've contributed to in one hand, and then taking them away in another hand, right? So if you're if you're single and you're modified adjusted gross income, this is essentially the, the bottom page of your first page of your tax return plus a little modification. So modified adjusted gross income. If you're single and it's $91,000 or less, you pay the standard premium. Right. Well, if you're married, it's 182,000. If it well, goes, I was once, like it goes above that 2000 last year. Yes. And so <laughs> you, you suddenly have to pay an additional $170. Correct. <laughs> and, and then it gets worse than that. If your income goes, starts going even higher, it can get, it can get as high as you paying an additional four hundred and eight dollars a month. Your income has to be you. about five hundred thousand at that point, but yeah. um, so it can be quite quite substantial. And so you're probably sitting there thinking, how do I how do I juggle my finances to keep my income below these thresholds? Right, and I have a couple ideas. That okay, I want to share them with get us. Get your opinion. Okay, so for the last couple of years, I've been taking my entire RMD as qualified charitable distribution. Okay. And that was a little over 23,300 this year. And is what that what your plan's going to do going forward? Yes. And you feel good about the organizations you're contributing to? 
I do. Fantastic. I think that's great. So I'll continue that. Okay. Then I have a related question. And that definitely uh, helps you because otherwise someone said, well, you get a deduction anyway. But if you took that withdrawal, that would be reported on your tax return. It would be included in your modified adjustable adjusted gross income. And then you'd be able to take it a deduction as an itemized deduction. But so it's, it, would, it, would, it would be detrimental to you in this situation. So the way you're right. doing it is the right way. Great. Um, I also have a charitable remainder trust with UC Davis. Mm-hmm. And I'm considering a partial surrender. What's in the CRT? Um, have you funded the CRT yet? I guess is the we, question. Yeah, the, the, it's been going on since 1995. And we donated some stocks. Okay. And you've been taking income from that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you've, yeah there you go. All right. And your idea is to waive that income and let them keep it this year? Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. Right. And how much income is that? Well, this year it was... Um, Thousand. Well, I love that idea as well. Okay, keep going. You're, you're hitting. Okay. Uh, okay. So my. Are you looking for work? But, but, but the question I've got: Are you, are you being penny wise and pound foolish? So, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, and I love your charitable intent here, and, and this might be the exact thing you should be doing. Might be the right thing for you, but um, you're, when we're looking at trying to save 170 bucks a month, like, is it? That's not that much. But, but, but Scott, she, they funded this charitable remainder trust. When did you fund the charitable remainder trust? In 19, 1995. That tells you a Life's lot about changed. who she is. That's right. <laughs> right? That was 27 years ago. Yeah. You and your I husband. I can tell you how much it's paid out in total. Under, understa- understand? It's paid out. 270000 Yeah. And what, if, when you pass away, where will these dollars go? That Where will your estate go if when you pass away? So... I've designated the IRA and the annuity and half of the trust to go to UC Davis and the other half of the trust to go to the family. And your home. My home is in addition to, yeah. Okay. So you, It'll you go. there's obviously big charitable intent yeah. here. Okay. By right. the way, I've got a, my kids are not getting the majority of my estate either. So, and so tell <laughs> yeah. me, so this $13,000, which is to waive the, the distribution, what else do you have on your calendar too? Are those I'm the sorry, only two things? Income? Yeah. You, well, you, you said you had a couple ideas Were these, the two ideas or oh, do you have so more? Those were the two ideas. Okay. Those were the two ideas. Well, I'm going to get, when the, um, Interest rates went down. I had some CDs, which I just converted to cash. Yeah. And now I'm laddering back in now that the rates are going back yeah. up. And by the way, go between Act. go between treasuries and CDs. You don't care the difference. We, we, between we were the talking two. about why, uh, kind of bashing annuities. This might you might actually be a candidate for a good candidate for annuity if your plan is to leave those dollars. To a nonprofit because that the taxation is fully forgiven. That yes. was my thought. You, you rather I mean, like, like an, you can have. Let's say you have the total stock market index and an ETF that's kicking off uh, dividends that you don't even want. It's taxable to you, right? Right. If instead that was inside of an, an annuity, most of the times I would say that's foolish to do because now you're turning what could be capital gain and and qualified dividend income into ordinary income. If 
if the plan is to leave it 100% to nonprofit, they pay no income taxes, that actually might be a preferable way to go. To put yeah. the taxable income... Well, you don't want to sell anything and trigger tax liability on a capital gain right? Right? by reposition. Right. So right. You, might not, you might not even have a lot of options because you probably have some built-in gains in some of those things. But she's got $161,000 in cash. I like what you're doing. Uh, and and I, uh, I don't know if I'd really be, <laughs> I don't know if I'm really recommending buying yeah, another co- annuity. Co- but <laughs> but no, no, but, but there's, look, they have a place in the marketplace if they're used correctly. So I, I think, by the way, um, this $161,000 in cash, I would, I, I'm glad you, you said that you were going back in. Um, mm-hmm. And I would look at it, you know, one, Year treasuries, two-year treasuries. I wouldn't make a differentiation between bank CDs and I just take the highest yield, whatever's available on that. Um, and I think you're doing great. I got to ask you a question though. What What did you and your husband do for a living? Just out of curiosity, were you engineers, uh, professors, no. <laughs> uh, teachers? My husband was a professor at UC Davis in the School of Medicine. He's okay, a, I, he was a uh, surgeon. Okay, and I'm a nurse. Okay. I, uh, I I did mention were you doctors or professors, and you were both. Your husband was both. <laughs> um, you're, you're, I play with numbers, though. Yeah, this is picture perfect. Oh, no, you're obviously good at what this you're doing. This is picture here. perfect. This yeah. is, um, this is picture perfect. <laughs> we can't help you. I can't. I, oh. I like everything you did. I can't. Well, I like hearing you say it. Yeah. Yeah. What a great job. Um, and yeah. I and I trust your kids are well versed in this stuff as well. Your children. Uh, my my. How much control son. do you have over Step- your adult? I have stepchildren. I have stepchildren. Oh, got it. <laughs> What's that? How much do you have? <laughs> if you good. ask me, you, I'm assuming your kids are well versed in that. I'd say no. No, they're not. Oh. One is. <laughs> okay. Well, you've done a marvelous job, Carla. Marvelous job. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I do job. have fun with my Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Oh, good. Good. Which there's, is almost as old as the uh, charitable remainder. There's trust. some pretty cool soft, There's some pretty cool financial planning software programs out there. You might want to take a look at. I'm, hmm. I don't know which okay. one. I don't know which ones are uh, free and available to kind of the broad public. But even if you paid a small fee for something, as much as you do planning, you you you'd probably yield some benefit from um, from from Great job. Out there. Yeah. great job. Wish you well. Hey, we're out of time. It's been great being with you. Um, feel free to go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. And while you're there, we've got tons of different educational stuff um, on a variety of different topics. So if you're thinking about learning more on a particular topic, odds are you'll find a, a webinar of some sort or a, uh, an article or a white paper because we have a lot of education there. We're big on education. So. And by the way, if you if you are one of our podcast subscribers, we've hit over 2 million downloads. We're quite happy about that. Uh, I think Joe Rogan has 100 million regular listeners. So we have a long way to go, but with 2 million <laughs> downloads, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, but we'd love for you to give us a, a review. I'm going to stop you right there. I could not do Joe Rogan's job. I've watched him oh a couple times. Oh, my gosh. First of all, half those people he talks to are just completely nut jobs. Anyway, I would agree with that too. <laughs> I don't listen to him very often. If I find he's got a guest that I find really interesting, then I will. And he has, a, he has, because it's so long, he has a way to get people to open up on stuff they wouldn't. He just bores them into submission. Well, he has an uncanny ability to be interested in everything, which is why. Thank you. Why I can't do a podcast <laughs> yeah, right. that lasts more than an hour? Okay, forget about him. 
but give us a review uh, wherever you get in your podcast. If you wouldn't mind, just take a moment and give us a review. It helps us. And if you think this is good information, pass it along to a friend. And if you're thinking maybe I should talk to an advisor or see what an advisor can do, reach out. We'll have to have a con- consultation with you and see if we can be of any, any assistance. With you. See you next week. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McClain with All oh, It's Money. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.